Amen. Can you feel his resurrection power this morning? You know, I got to thinking the other day about why one of the reasons why the church ought to be singing with joy is because we serve a risen Savior. And that's the difference in our our faith serves a God who rose from the dead. That is reason to celebrate every single Sunday. Let me give you a little context of this passage that we're going to read. Three verses in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. And what's amazing is this passage was written nearly 3,000 years ago. That's just kind of an amazing statement. You know, 3,000 years ago, uh, 700 B.C. is when we uh, come to this context here, this text of, of Scripture. And yet, it is still relevant today. It almost seems as if we are reading about America as we read here about Israel. Now, everything that we know about Hosea, we have to find in the book of Hosea. He's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. So every, all the information we have about him is found in this one single book. He was a prophet, and a prophet is a preacher who gets his message from God and then calls the people of God, back to God. And so this is so important for us to, to, to buy into early on in this, in this message, is that what is needed today is the prophet of God, the preachers of God, the people of God, to call the people of God back to God. I fear that sometimes we get that messed up. We think our job is to call the people that do not believe in God back to God. You can't call somebody who's never been to God back to God. The message here is to us. The message is to the church, the people of God. Now, the reason uh, here in this, in this passage of Scripture, the nation of Israel was experiencing incredible prosperity. And, and church, let's face it, America is, is prosperous. Amen? I mean, you know, I, I know that sometimes we complain about certain things, but I'm going to tell you, I'm looking at a crowd here today that doesn't look like it's, it's, it's missing any meals. Everyone looks like they had a pillow today, and I don't think anybody got their water out of a well that looks nasty. You know, we've been blessed. The nation of Israel was very blessed. There were, it was a divided kingdom, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, but even with the division there, uh, as we see often in our country amongst churches, a lot of division, and yet the nation is blessed. And Hosea tried to get his message across to these people, but yet they were so distracted because they were so blessed with the things of this world that they could hardly keep their attention on the things of God. And it's really tough sometimes for us to do that, to, to do that as well. We come to church with so many burdens, and we've got so much on our plate. And so we just kind of clock in on Sunday mornings for about an hour and a half, and then we clock out because we've got to get back to all the distractions. We live in a world where, where, where we... Weapons of mass distraction. Emails, text messages, all kinds of things that are flooding into our lives to take the attention off of God. And what's interesting is the primary message in the book of Hosea is not judgment. It's not. Uh, personally, I'm convinced that that's not what the primary message of the pastor needs to be today. I had several uh, text messages from preachers across the nation, and I love them, and I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you what God's done in my heart. You know, preach it hard this Sunday. Stand up. You know, make, make your case known. Can I tell you something? The, the, the message of Hosea in the Old Testament 
is, is there's judgment there, but let me tell you what the message is of Hosea. It is that God loves you so much, he created you for fellowship with him, and you are settling for so much less. That's the message. The message is God has been so good. God is so awesome. God loves you so much. Why do we settle for so much less than what God has for us? There's judgment here in this book, but that's not the primary message. Study it for yourself. The primary message is please return to the loving heart of God. So I want you to listen to these first three verses of this chapter. Oh, come, let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. And after two days, will he revive us? In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain as the latter and former rain upon the earth. And so I've taken that little phrase at the end of verse 3 and determined to to make that the the message of this mini-series, and that is this, let it rain. We're going to find out what that rain is. We're going to study together what that rain is. What is that rain? We want it to rain here, and my goal is to help you to understand that. But before we can understand that, church, we need to pay close attention to a a very interesting statement here in verse 3. It says, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. The first thing I want to draw your attention to is the knowledge of God. I want us to understand something about the knowledge of God. Because there are a lot of people in this room that know a lot of facts about God. In fact, that's the first thing about the knowledge of God is facts about God. You can put that in your notes. That's the first note. Facts about God. We today know a lot of facts about God. I'm going to show you how I know that we know that. Hey, just a little audience participation here, if you don't mind. Can somebody give me, uh, you know, okay, God's resume is pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, I've got a resume. It's three or four pages long. I know some people have resumes that might go six or seven, maybe push eight pages long. That's like a really smart guy that's gone to school all his life and worked at a lot of places. But um, nevertheless, God's resume Nobody can contain his resume. It goes on forever. We have a God. There are a lot of facts about God. Somebody give me a fact about God. This is true about God. It's a fact about God. Anybody? His holiness. Very good. It is a fact that God is holy. Somebody else? His love. God is love. That's a fact. God is love. Unconditional love for everyone. God so loved the world. How about another fact about God? He's eternal. He's what? He keeps his promises. Thank you. Thank you. He keeps his promises. He's eternal. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. What about he's the creator? Look at this crowd. You guys are awesome. Man, we got warmed up. It always takes a little time, but once you get warmed up, you're ready to go, aren't you? Hey, listen. You know what you just did? You just did what I know you could do. And we could do this for hours. For hours, you could give me facts about God. Because we have a head knowledge of God. The church is known for its head knowledge of God. We go to Sunday school. We, we, we've got, you know, we, we know these things. We've got some knowledge about God, but it doesn't end there. 
Can I tell you something? There's something else that must happen. To know the knowledge of God includes facts about God, but then it goes on to have a heart understanding about God. A heart understanding. You see, we have a head knowledge about God, but very few believers, and I'm going to say that with, with great confidence, even in this place this morning, very few of us have a heart understanding about God. You see, when your head knowledge of God goes to your heart, it changes everything about your knowledge of God. It begins to grow. Listen, I'll be honest with you. That's where my worship comes from. My worship comes. I was, I was like a professional fact about God kind of guy. I knew all the facts about God. But when it came to worshiping God, it didn't seem to move me. And the truth of the matter is, when you realize how holy God is, how eternal God is, how faithful God is, how awesome God is, when the facts about God go to your heart, you can't help but to be amazed at His awesomeness, at His greatness, at His power, at His glory. You see, what we need in the church is not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. Facts about God, a heart understanding of God, but thirdly, it doesn't end there. It's also an experience with God. You see, I grew up in a church culture, a church tradition where experience with God was criticized. It was criticized. There was a book written back a few years ago called <clears throat> Experiencing God. And I remember publicly that book being brought into the church and that author and that book being criticized as sensationalism and set aside and, and this is not for us and, you know, we don't need that and, and we don't need to experience God like that. No emotionalism in our experience. Can I tell you something? When something as big as God gets a hold of your heart, you can't help but to shout about it. And shame on you if you'll go home today and shout about somebody who wins a ball game more than you shout in church. Listen to me. When God gets a hold of your heart and, and you begin to experience him, something happens in the heart of a believer who gets to know God. The more I got to know my wife, the more passionate my love for her became. When I first met her, it was like, she's good looking. That's a pretty girl. But let me tell you something. It's advanced quite a bit since then. Because the more I know my wife, the more I, my heart is connected to her, the more I experience her love. <laughs> you see, God has much to say about his people knowing him. Then it goes from an experience with God, not just on Sundays, not just on Sunday. Listen, church, God is not just for a box called Sunday morning. Well, we're going to church. Let's put our worship on. Let's, 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 get, let's go to church. Listen, it should be this way in the morning. You should feel this way when you go to church, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go out to eat, in your car. God wants us to experience it moment by moment. And then all of this turns into the blessings from God. Knowledge of God includes all these things. Facts about God and hard understanding of God, experience with God, and a blessing from God. God wants to do some phenomenal stuff in your life. It's true. God wants to take your life and, and, and literally use it as a shining, bright light 
for his name's sake. He wants glory to be shown into the heavens out of your life. He wants you to be as a broken vessel uh, put in a, just in these jars of clay that we sung about a moment ago. He wants to take our lives and, and use them to do great and mighty things for his glory. I'm beginning to understand that. The more I get to know God, the more I know he wants to use me to do something great and I cannot believe it. So it's all four of these things. Let's review. The knowledge of God includes, say it with me, church. Let's say it together. Facts about God, heart understanding about God, experience with God, and blessings from God. Very good. All those things. Now, let's notice three things about knowing the Lord. Well, preacher, explain to me more about this knowing God, the knowledge of God. Well, first of all, let's acknowledge this. According to Hosea chapter 6, it is possible. It's possible to know the Lord. Look at verse number 3 in our text. It says, then shall. Then shall we know. We will know. Then shall we know. This is not a maybe thing. If we follow on to know the Lord, we can know the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody here in this audience who is doubting God. Maybe there's just some things going on in your life and, and you've drifted. You've drifted from God. And, and you're doubting whether or not he can really use you. You've actually had some really scary thoughts as to whether or not there really is even a God. I mean, God says, I want you to know me. And it's possible to know me. Let me give you a few scriptures on the screen uh, to help you to see what emphasis is placed on this in scripture. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It's something that's out there that we can find. And there's so much of it. It's never ending. It's so awesome to be on this journey to follow and pursue the knowledge of God. Romans chapter 11, in verse 33, Paul experiences the knowledge of God when he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways are past finding out. It's unreal. Paul says, listen, when you start experiencing the knowledge of God, when you really get to know God in all of his glory, in all of his beauty, in all of his presence, I mean, honestly, I think... And I haven't talked to Joe about this, but we're going to try to present our little trip next week if we can get it all together but, uh, to, to Australia. But I think, Joe, what we experienced was get, gathering together and getting to know God in a deeper way. It's unsearchable. That's why people keep writing music. You know why? People keep writing music about God because it's never-ending, <laughs> You, you just can't worship him enough. You can't praise him enough. You can't brag on God enough. Does anybody feel like today, you know, I've said all about I want to say about God. I'm pretty much through. It, it's never ending. Listen, God's, the, the knowledge of God, the, it's unsearchable. It, it, is, it is way past ever finding out in this lifetime. And then Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6 in our actual text, if you'll go three verses down, Hosea says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. I desired to know God more than anything else. What about 1 Corinthians 15, 34? To the church. This is to the church. Think about it now. Not to the world, not to the lost, not to the Supreme Court, not to politics, to the church. Awake to righteousness 
and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul said it's so sad that people are sitting in churches all across the world and all they have is facts. They don't know me. Their religion, the extent of their religion is Sunday morning Christianity. It's what I call casual Christianity. We just wear it when we need to. God says, shame on you. I speak this to your shame. There's more to being a Christian. There's more to knowing God than just Sunday mornings. And in 1 Corinthians, or rather 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says that Satan is attacking the knowledge of God in our lives. Look at it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the what? The knowledge of God. There you have pornography, imaginations. Casting down imaginations, pornography. Our world is filled with it. I just preached a teen camp in Dayton, Ohio, 375 teens, and nearly every single young man I prayed with said, I'm watching porn. Which means there's a lot of guys in this building watching porn. No doubt about it. And, and we wonder why, how do we get so low that we get on a, on a computer screen and watch people who we don't even know do horrible things? How do we do that? Here's why. Satan is making God so small. We, we, we have no knowledge of God, so we can, we can totally... God's not in this place. He's not in this room. God's right with you. If you knew how big God was, if you knew he's right there, you think you'd look at that? When you know God is in your life and in your presence and in your, in your body and in your eyes and everything, he's all around you. Then he's there while you're watching filthy imaginations. Preacher, what do I do? Find and experience the knowledge of God. Satan has stolen that from you. That's it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bring every thought into captivity. And then Colossians 1, 2, here was Paul's prayer. He said this, he said, that she might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Boy, that's my prayer for you, church. I just want you to increase in your knowledge of God. I want you to know God more. I want God to get real big. I want God to get really big to you. I want it to be so big that it's just all about God. I mean, you talk God, you, you, you share God. It's just, somebody says, how are you doing? And it's great. God's good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. I want God to be that big in your life. It's possible because God wants it for you. Number two, I want you to notice that the knowledge of the Lord is personal. Look at verse three. Then shall we know, we, you and me, if we, if we, you and me, follow on to know the Lord. For he shall come unto us as the rain. It's personal. The knowledge of the Lord begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask John Schroeder to come and take a mic and give his testimony. I asked him to give it in five minutes or less. So I'm going to have somebody sitting amongst you take this mic and share with you when it got personal for him is it personal to you all right let's share that with us april of 1985 i was nine years old sitting under brother john wright in first baptist church i don't remember specifically the message but i remember the conviction 
I remember the conviction was so great that when he gave the altar call, I didn't go out to the aisle. I jumped the pews and went to the front. And I gave my life to God, and I know it was real because things started to happen in my life as a young child where I, <clears throat> it wasn't me, it was God. Simple things like 100% of my pennies and nickels and quarters and allowance went up and gave the pastor for the poor. Because I hadn't done that since I was, I haven't given 100% since I was a little kid. So when your little kids want to give 100% of what they got, let them do it. Because they may never do it again. Because I know I haven't, and that's convicting to me even now. Knowledge of God was real for me all the way up until I hit my teenage years. I'm still saved. Didn't lose my salvation. 1994, I began to rebel. My mom and dad, love the Lord, told me, you don't need to listen to this kind of music. I said, well, I'm going to listen to it anyway. Guys, within a year or two of listening to the music they told me to not listen to, teenagers, listen to this. Within one to two years of listening to that music, they told me that drugs and sex and rock and roll and all this stuff was awesome and great and fun within two years i was doing everything i said i'd never do everything those songs told me to do so if you're a teenager and you're listening to that garbage stop because what it tells you to do even though right now you think you're just cool bopping along two or three years from now you're going to be doing it okay so stop guys that went along for me all the way up until april of 2008 and the first time i stepped in the door of this church i was living in sin i was living with my girlfriend at the time I was running from God. I was miserable. The first time I ever darkened the doors of this church, guys, I'd had two Red Bulls and Vikas before I ever walked in this church. That's how far away from God I had gotten as a saved person who knew the Lord. But you know what happened in this church? I know they could smell it on me because I haven't had a drink in a long time, and I can smell it when people are drinking. Nobody turned me away. They all invited me back. They all loved me so that when I was ready and God was ready to pull me back, I could come here. So in April of 2008, I was having some financial issues. Long story short, one of my best friends is my banker. He called me and said, John, if you don't get a mortgage payment in, I'm, I'm foreclosing on a property you have. And that guy, I don't even know if he knows the Lord, but God used him for me. That day I hit the dirt outside my parents' barn, and I gave it all back to God, weeping. I said, God, I can't do it anymore. And you know what? Overnight, my financial problems weren't fixed. But you know what happened instantly? The burden lifted. And God said, you know me, and I know you, and you've been running. Come back. And he let me come back. So ever since then, I've been walking with the Lord, and I've been struggling. And I'll be transparent with you. What preacher just talked about, that pornography thing, I had that problem. Sometimes even today, that stuff's so dark that it'll, when I'm tired, I've worked 15 hours in a patrol car, I've been on a SWAT call out, whatever, I'm really tired and I get home. Sometimes that thought still creeps into my mind, but you know what I found out? The knowledge of God will let you do. You start crying out to God and you start rebuking that, it'll go away. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it does mean that God is. And God will let you defeat that, whatever that is in your life. But he won't let you defeat it if you don't utilize his power. Because you can't do it on your own. And then another way you can know God and have the knowledge of God and know for sure that you do is, 
when you're sinning, are you miserable? Because, guys, when I was running from God for that 15-year span of my life, think about that, 15 years, I was miserable, even though I was having fun, trying to fill my life with the next party, the next thing, whatever it was, I was miserable. There were times I wondered, I wonder if my parents would be alive when I come back to God. That is not a cool thought when you got parents who have tried to raise you in the Lord. And then just as recently as Thursday, and I'll be done. This last Thursday, I was up at a training at Russellville Police Department. I had already sent my SWAT commander a thing telling him I wouldn't be at training that night because my training up there was going to last too long. And by the time I got home, the training would be almost over, so it would be pointless, right, to go. So I had this plan and told my lovely wife, hey, I'm going to be home tonight because, guys, I'm gone a lot with my work. Well, unbeknownst to me, God was going to test me. And he, the class got out like three hours early. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't have to go to training tonight. And immediately a weight of conviction fell on me like I hadn't felt in a long time. And God's like, You're, that's wrong. You can't do that. You gave your word when you got on that team that you'd be there if you could. And I had already told my wife I was coming home and I wanted to spend time with her. But, guys, that weight got heavier and heavier and heavier. And I fought it for like an hour. And finally, I was like, okay, fine, God, you're right. Because I'm stubborn. And it took me at least an hour to get there. Finally, I said, Lord, okay. And you know what happened after I said, Lord, okay, and gave that to him? He allowed me to have an awesome time of prayer driving down the road. Just praying for people I love, praying for my family, praying for my department, praying for all kinds of things. But guys, if you have the knowledge of God, he will not let you get away with things even if it's something seemingly as simple as not going to something you'd already told them you wouldn't be at, but the opportunity has arose that you can be there for a commitment that you have. So, if you don't get convicted, even over seemingly little things, you've either gotten so far from God that your heart is so callous that you can't hear Him, or you don't know Him. And I can't tell you what that is, but you can. And if you don't know him, you better fix it. Because he's coming back. Amen. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, John. You'll see how so much of that. Yeah, don't take my notes. <laughs> I got the knowledge of God, but I need, I need the knowledge of my paper here too, all right? All it is is verses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving because I'm going to come back to something he said that fits perfectly at the end of my message. And so what you've heard this, this last few moments is somebody who's been on a journey since they were nine years old. You see, you never get off this journey. And, and, and because you're saved, it does not mean that you're not going to have struggles. What it means is you're going to have to spend a lifetime casting down evil imaginations with the knowledge of God. All right, let's move on here. It's also prepared. It's, it's, it's possible, it's personal, but it's also prepared. You have that in your notes as well. I love verse number, uh, let's see, verse number, I believe it's verse number two or three. Three, yes. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. Actually, I like a version where it says it, it, his going forth is as the sun rising. 
I like that because the truth of the matter is, is as sure as the sun will rise in the morning, you can rest assured God has a plan for your life. His going forth is prepared. Just as sure as the sun is going to rise, he has something he wants you to know. He's got something new, something fresh. You know, I used to think I'd run out of stuff to preach. Brother Ray, I thought, man, you know what? How am I going to preach for 23 years as of right now in one place? That's, that's a lot of sermons. I'm going to run out of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Every week, it's like, that is awesome. I can't wait to share that with my church. I was preaching at Fort Bluff uh, Camp this past week, and I, was, uh, I preached a message. And then I was studying the next morning for the next message, and God showed me something that connected with the previous message that I had never seen before. I was like a kid in a candy shop. I mean, I got so excited. I thought, oh, my God, nobody knows this but me, right? This is incredible. I mean, you showed me this this morning. This is so real, so fresh, so new. I have been saved for 36 years, and yet, God, your knowledge is still fresh every time the sun rises. God's got something for you. He's just the way he is. And so it's facts about God. It's understanding God. It's experiencing God. It's blessings from God. Now let's close by talking about the rain. Rain. Notice it says here in verse number three, just very interesting, for he shall come. God shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Now for most of us, rain is a negative thing. Usually. Man, uh, I just hope it doesn't rain on July 4th because we've got a picnic. Man, Lord, don't let it rain. We're going to the lake. Well, we sure missed you Sunday. Well, preacher, you know, it, it was raining pretty hard. There's people that stay away from church because it rains. And most of the time, rain tends to be something we talk negative about. But in their day, they lived in primarily an agricultural society. And so when God promised rain, it was life to them. It was their number one necessity. More than anything else, they needed rain. It's never a negative thing. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. In Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and verse number 14, it says that, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season. The first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, thy wine, and thine oil. The, the first rain, uh, rain and the latter rain. In other words, the former rain, the latter rain. Those are two different rains. I didn't take a lot of time to study what that meant, but I do know this. There were two different seasons of rain that where it rained a lot. And the more it rained, the better. Because it was their sustenance. It was how they lived. It was how they ate. It was how they worked. Rain was the number one thing. Deuteronomy 28 and verse number 18 or 12. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. Going to give you rain. Going to pour it out. Going to let it rain. And so here's what God says. I'm like rain. God says, I'm like rain. I want to be your number one sustenance. I want you to want me more than anything else. 
I want it to be that you want it in the morning. You want me in the afternoon. You just want God. You want me to reign on. You, 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 you love me. You speak me. You talk to me. I talk to you. It's just, I want, I want me and, and my word. And, 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 and I, I want my, my, my life to be lived through your life. What kind of difference could we make in Hot Springs, Arkansas, if everybody sitting in every church in this city was just all about God? I mean, just our number one necessity. Think about it. Let me give you ten examples. Just put down the reference, and I'll read you the reference. Psalm 72 and verse number 6 is the first one. Then shall, uh, rather, he shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. Isaiah 45, 8. Drop down, ye heavens, from above. And let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. And let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word. My word is like rain. My word's going to go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. Isaiah 58, 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy my soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Ezekiel 36, 25. Then will I spring, cl- sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Amos 5, 24. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. And then Ezekiel 34, 26. And I will make them and the places round about my hill, a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. And so I copied out of the hymn book the song, Showers of Blessings. After I studied this message, this song jumped off the page to me. I have sung this song in a mechanical way all my life. But after reading the scripture, God gave me a new knowledge of this song. It's one of the greatest worship songs ever written. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercies drops round us are falling. But for the showers we plead, God, let it rain. Rain on us, God. Rain on us. Don't stop. Send a thunderstorm of your power and blessing upon this church. Second verse. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again over the hills and the valleys. Sound of abundance. Man, I can hear those people in there worshiping. Woo! They they are celebrating something. Uh, God rose from the dead. That's a celebration every Sunday. There shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing. Come now and honor thy word. There shall be showers of blessing. Oh, that today they might fall. Now, as to God, we're confessing. Now, as on Jesus we call. Wow. Showers of blessings. God says, I'm like rain. 
And then finally, in closing, so how do you get the knowledge of the Lord? How do you get it? Preacher, put me on a path. Here it is, three things. Number one, or four things, real quick. First of all, you must realize you've drifted in return. Did you hear John? He drifted, didn't he? He drifted for a long time. But you see, you know what I love? I had somebody tell me before church this morning, they said words like this, yeah, pastor, I'm just, I'm not doing so well. I've been drifting. And I looked at him and I said, great. That's great. And they went, what's so great about that? I just, I'm drifting. I mean, pastor, I'm, I'm, I've been getting farther from God. I said, but did you just say it? You realize it? He goes, well, yeah, I realize it. I said, that's wonderful. That is the first thing you've got to do to come back. You've got to admit you're drifting to come back. You see, people that don't realize it, they just keep drifting. They just keep going, and they get farther and farther of God, and God gets smaller and smaller. And as John said, you're hard in your heart, and sometimes you can't even hear the voice of God. But did you just say you know it? He goes, I know it. I said, you're in a good spot. Would you take a step back? Just, just one step back towards him? I don't care how far back you are. If you take one step forward, you're going in the right direction. Notice in our text here, in verse 1 and 2, do you see it? Come, let us what? Return. Let us return unto the Lord. Let us return. Oh, it's got to start with an awareness of the fact that I'm not where I need to be. And notice... If you would, one other thing here. It says, and he shall come unto us. I I truly believe this, that every one of us needs to come back to God. To an extent, no one is completely right with God in this room, including me. You see, for me to be a self-righteous preacher today and stand up here and, and, and rebuke you as a congregation, I would be foolish Because the truth of the matter is, is I've drifted. I'm on my way back to God. I'm taking a... You see, I was born in sin. (laughs) And ever since the day God saved me, I've been battling my flesh too. But I'm just trying to take steps in the right direction. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. Number two, you've got to realize that when you return, God will respond in grace. God will always respond in grace. Notice it says here... He will heal us. He will bind us up. I love that when John said that even though he came to church with alcohol on his breath, that he was accepted. That, that's the way we ought to be. We tend to criticize the, the problems with the sexuality of people, and, and we want to jump all over that as if we've got some sort of a, a reason to be to think that we're better than someone else. Look, sin is sin, and I'm against it just as much as you are. And if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. But those people need to know we love them just as they are. They can come to Jesus just as they are. They can sit in our church services just as they are and let Jesus heal them and love them and teach them and show them the right way. When you return, God always responds in grace. Then number three, I must realize I need to pursue it. 
I've got to pursue the knowledge of God. I've got to. I've got to go after it. Look at verse number 3. Then shall we know if we follow on. That word follow on is another word for pursue. You, you can mark that in the margin of your Bible. That's what it is. It's, it's running after God. It's like I can't get enough of it. I've got to run. I've got to go after it. I've got to have it, whatever it takes. I want that. I want to know God more than just the facts. I want more than just to go home with notes filled out and be able to say, oh, Brother Eric, look, I got your sermon notes. I got them right here. I did good. That's great. Now let's take those sermon notes on paper and let's put them in our lives. Got a church full of people sitting, listening to sermons, and nothing changes. Nothing. We sing songs we don't even mean. We talk about things that we know that we never put to action. And God says, I am so tired of people just knowing about me but not knowing me personally. Pursue it. Go after it. Run after it. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I mean, hey, if we learn something this week, let's, let's get after it. Let's do it. Let, let's, let's accomplish it. Did God lay something on your heart? Let, give it. Did God tell you to witness to somebody? Talk to them. Send them a note. Give them a call. Text them. Do it before you leave the service. Just thinking about you. Love you. Do it now. Respond to the knowledge of God. And then finally, I must wait for God to let it rain. There seems to be some period of waiting here indicated when it says, then shall we know if. We'll eventually know. We may not know now, but eventually we will know. There seems to be a period of hang in there. Don't get in a hurry. I'm going to show you. You see, for John, it didn't happen all at once. I knew that because I watched John. One of my favorite phone calls that I ever got from John when he first got right with God, one of the most, I love this. I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, preaching, and John, who had just kind of started getting right with the Lord and pursuing God and taking steps in the right direction because he had taken so many steps backwards, he called me up. He said, Preacher, you got a minute? I said, Man, I'm on my way to the hotel. He said, You ain't going to believe this, Preacher. This guy right here. He said, Preacher, I'm telling you, last night, I, I, I probably shouldn't have went, but I, I did go to a party. I did go. He said, I went to the party, and he said, you know, he said, I got there, and sure enough, you know, I thought it would be okay for some, but he said, there, there was some drinking, and there was things going on that shouldn't go on, and there was some immorality going on, and Preacher, I just got some good news. I left. And I said, hallelujah, John. Here's what you would have said, maybe. You shouldn't have gone in the first place. Bless God, I was just happy he left. Are you with me? In other words, there is a period of waiting. You don't go this far back to right here. But you take that next step, and you wait for God to show you a little bit more. And then God shows you the way. And then all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, you're holding a microphone testifying in church. And I'm thinking, as I'm sitting there, what you're thinking is, what's preacher thinking, giving him a microphone? I'm thinking, hallelujah, if they only knew how far he's come. <laughs> Man, John's one of the most fired up Christians in our church. But if you only knew how far he's come, he just waited on God. You've got to wait. God will continue to show you how awesome he is. Every head 